Hey, welcome back to the next episode of the Mass Business Podcast. My name is Matt Ward, and I am your esteemed host. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so thankful that you're joining me. As a reminder, before we get started in this week's episode, don't forget to pick up an awesome copy of The High Five Effect, How to Do Business with People that Bring You Joy. This came out in October of 2021, and I'm so happy. It's my second book. You can find that at highfiveeffect.com. We'll also put the link in the show notes. Um, uh, the reviews on this have been awesome, and, and I hope that you pick up a copy of that, um, primarily because I have a lot of copies in my basement, and I need to move them. <laughs> That's the whole point, right? So the high five effect, how to do business with people that bring you joy. Um, this week, uh, or today specifically, I have a great guest for you. Her name is Danielle O'Brien. She's been a real estate sales agent since 2008 and a broker since 2013. Now, before real estate, Danielle spent 10 years in the technical divisions of a Boston financial giant. And in 2014, she opened Parkway Real Estate which she has grown to include two office spaces and 13 sales agents. She specializes in VA transactions and has assisted over 60 veterans and their families in buying, selling, or renting homes. She's dialed into the firefighter community as well and the first responder community because her family members, are many of them are firefighters and we uh, appreciate uh, their their efforts and being first responders. She used to play softball herself, and she coaches an all-female travel baseball team. You're going to love this conversation with Danielle O'Brien. I'm so excited to bring it to you. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Mass Business Podcast, where small business owners, also known as risk takers, share their stories about the growth of their business and themselves. Our interviews and our content is focused on growing a small business in understanding, networking, and referrals. I say it all the time, and I'll say it again today, you never know where your next referral will come from. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you. Psyched to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a great conversation about how you grew your business. Now, speaking of business, um, just for our listeners who are listening on every podcast app or those watching on YouTube, can you just share with them in under 30 seconds or less what it is you actually do? Sure. So I run, um, as you mentioned, a couple offices. We have 13 agents right now. I still actively help people transact in real estate, but a big role that I have now is training these agents to do just that and become top producing agents. Cool. So real estate brokerage, it's a, it's a crazy world we live in now. Everybody thought with the pandemic, all the business was going to fall uh, out from underneath everybody, no matter what industry they were in. And as it turned out, that is not what happened in real estate. It got bonkers crazy. Um, yes. <laughs> so one of the things I want to talk to you today about is a little bit about that transition with COVID and the real estate market, because I think a lot of people don't really understand how a business is is surviving in that real estate market. And we'll, we'll get to that. I want to go back, though, to, you know, 2000 and 
you know, 14 when you open Parkway Real Estate as a broker. Um, I'm sure at that time, like me, when I opened my business, you didn't know what you didn't know, right? And you're just trying to figure it all out. Like you, right. you know the agent side of the business because you had been an agent. But being a broker is much different. What do you know now that you wish you knew back then? Well, I am definitely do think do. And I kind of always knew that, but I never really knew the implications of that until I opened my own business. And I am a big fan of kind of stepping into the fire and seeing if it, if it burns, you know, and how bad it burns kind of thing. Um, so I do dive head is first. That, is that because you're married to a firefighter and he could just put it out? I mean, what's the story there? I, I think that I like to just, you know, I do like to fail, you know, it's okay yeah. to fail. And um, and you learn the best that way. I mean, I can read as many manuals as I need to, but if you really just dive into something, you really, really understand it. And um, for me, opening the brokerage was exactly that. It was just kind of, okay, let's, let's see what works and pivot when it doesn't. And I think a lot of people are afraid to get into business because maybe they're not those kind of people. You know, they're a little more think, do, think, and it's almost analysis paralysis because they'll never step out of that comfort zone and, and take that risk. So where does the risk taking come from for you? I mean, most business owners are truly risk takers. I talk about that in the intro. Um, but why is it that you feel like you take more risks than others, especially as a do think do person? I think they're calculated risks and I knew that I could fall back on certain things. Um, I mean, it's helpful that I'm married to somebody that has a, a really secure job. And I knew that if I failed, I wasn't failing my family. And um, I think that's a big piece of it. I think another piece of it is I always knew that I could close up shop and go work for someone else. I was a top producing agent to begin with. And I just felt like I had a lot to share with some other people that I wanted to grow a business doing things kind of... Um, my way and um but i knew that i had a fallback like i always had a plan b so i think that helps i think that's so great i mean in 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 the high five effect the new book i wrote i actually talk about this level of security that people need to have in order to push away bad clients and it's it's because they they have to have a predictable amount of revenue coming in every month in order to feel secure enough to not take a client because otherwise they're taking the client for the money. And what you just described is often what people who have a side hustle deal with as well is that they don't have to take on every client as a person who has a side hustle business because they have income coming in. So you can allow yourself to take greater risks um, to benefit from the greater reward without having this big concern over the idea of failing, but also then failing all these other people, family, bills, et cetera, if it doesn't work out. And I, I think that's something that these small business owners need to understand, right? It is that you don't always have to take the business and go full-time immediately, right? You can do the side hustle thing. You can rely on your, your um, significant other to help you as long as that's a good choice and a decision that you both made and you both know the risks, right? So right. I think understanding the risks around these things that you're doing is a, is a, 
is a great point. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned that. And also too, I would also encourage the audience to just think about this for a second, that even though Danielle is married to a firefighter who obviously has a high risk tolerance, if he's going to be running into a building, and even though she has other family members who are also firefighters who have high risk tolerance, doesn't always guarantee that she in and of herself has the same high risk tolerance, but she does surround herself with people who have high risk tolerances. And so that will also rub off. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So are you running into a building that's burning tomorrow? <laughs> no. Okay. I just want to be clear that the audience understands that, that there's a big difference between other people that you surround yourself with and yourself. You don't have to be them, right? You just got to do you is what I like to say. Um, totally. So let's talk a little bit about um, the challenges of growing a business and where you've had success and then maybe where you've not had success as you're starting to grow Parkway back in 14, what did you see was working for you? Well, um, when I first became an agent and I signed on with a the company, they had a very formal training program, but not really a mentorship program. And that was a big fail for me. I did not do well with just kind of watching these videos and trying to put things into practice myself. I really needed someone to kind of handhold me. And so when I started my company, that was very important. I do not have a formal training program. I only take on a certain number of new agents at any one point so that they can shadow me and ask me anything they need to ask me the entire way through a deal. Um, I'm literally handholding them because like I said, I think that you need to step into um, the experience to really understand it. And so that was very, very important for me. So that was a win in that sense. But I think where I went wrong is I tried to take on too many new people at one point um, when we were growing the business. And it's just not possible for me to be transacting myself and helping all these people transact. There's just not enough hours in the day. So that was something that um, I definitely had learned from. And, and now I only do one or two people at a time instead of kind of a group of people. Mm. Um, so I was being pulled in too many directions and it, it was just not a good fit. So, yeah. How has networking been a big part of your strategy for, for growth at the, at the agency? I love this question because it, it comes with a, the answer comes with a great story. So when I left that particular real estate company, I left, I did let them know that I wanted a mentor and that that was important to me. And they did find me somebody that I became very close with. Um, eventually he left to start his own company. And when he called me to let me know that he was doing that, he said, Oh, I'm going to name it, you know, Patrialty group. And I said, no, he said, I'm going to name it Patrialty. And I said, well, I think you're going to name it Patrialty group because I'm going to join you and I'm leaving too. And, and we're going to do this together and I'll help you. So, um, we were very close. He had his company for a while after, a, a period of time, it was important for me to open my company and do it my own way, uh, which he was very supportive of. And I did open Parkway Real Estate. And then a few years, we still met and we still stayed in touch. And um, there was no hard feelings over me leaving. And a few years later, he came to me and said, Danielle, I'm, I don't think I want to be a broker anymore. I want to go back to being an agent. And I think I'd like you to 
uh, consider taking over my company. And so that's actually how I doubled my company last year is keeping those connections open, keeping that networking open. I mean, technically he was another broker in the area that was my competition, but we, we met constantly and talked constantly and we had such a good relationship that um, that's how, you know, things really grew for us. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's amazing, right? So this is this is a great story, not only about networking, but about the idea of competition. That I that there is no competition. There's enough business for all of us. And to be perfectly frank, as as a you know a real estate brokerage firm, you know with ten agents or something, there's only so much business you can have anyway. Right. Like and so many small business owners get into this world and are just so greedy. And yeah, look what he did. Like, even when you went and did your own thing, he supported you in that. And I just don't understand why more people aren't doing that because the, these are the happy stories that come out of that situation. The friendships, the relationships of a lifetime that last because of that are just amazing. And uh, I think that's so awesome. You guys are, you know, you, you got along great. You totally respected him. And then when he called you to say he was leaving, you were like, yeah, I'm going with you. And that's not why he was calling, right? I mean, he was just calling to give you a heads up. I mean, that's just a, such an amazing story. I love that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the challenges of growing a business, right? So what do you feel like your biggest weakness is? Besides my email box that has... Wait, 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 wait. How, how many? 17,000 unread this morning. What um, in the world? I know is it's going a little on crazy. Um, Why? Why is that? Can we just talk about I'm not letting you escape over that. <laughs> Seven, by the I, way, if, if you're watching on YouTube, add a comment on YouTube <laughs> about how many emails, unread emails you have in your inbox. I want to see if anybody can beat Danielle. So yeah. why do you have 17,000 unread messages? I mean, I really have to take the most important emails first. And then, unfortunately, I just really don't get to the rest. I think that my biggest weakness has actually been my ability to like delegate and outsource. And having somebody take over my email box just seems very, very personal. I do have an administrative assistant that helps me watch my email and make sure that I'm responding to the things that are more fire drill related and need yeah. to be handled right away. But it's more, you know, I just, are, don't you, have getting, are you just getting through. like, like people's, you know, uh, you know, email newsletters in there and such. No, sometimes it's like, maybe I'm part of a deal and there's a back and forth going on between the attorneys and I'm copied on the email and I just never technically open it cause it's not really meant for me. Um, so there's a lot of that in there, I think. <laughs> Oh, Lord, it's okay. have mercy. <laughs> I, I don't think too much is slipping through the cracks, so I'm okay. Well, no, I mean, you've gotten to this point where you are now. I mean, I, if, 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 I always see those stories on uh, online or on Facebook, uh, the pictures of people's unread message icon notification has <laughs> got 17,000. That's crazy. Yeah, that might be the all-time highest, I think. Nope, I've heard of more. I, I actually put a post out on Boston Businesswoman once to see if somebody could help me organize. And I asked people, like, am I crazy that I'm 17 and, and people had more? So made oh, me really? feel good about myself. Well, that's good. Um, I just want to let you know that um, I have 16. And I think, yes, 
half of those have come in in the past hour. Yeah, <laughs> sixty. So I, I have, and I think I only probably have thirty emails in my entire inbox. I've been at zero inbox twice. Oh, I love inbox zero people. I just could yeah. I just and so here's what it is. I set up rules and yeah. I unsubscribe from things that I don't need. I still do get emails um, from brands and people that I want to get them from. Right. Um, but the ones that like, you know, I, I, I go to a, a concert or something and then all of a sudden I get on that list. You know, I, I don't do that. My other I have a friend of mine, Jason, who set up a rule in his inbox that if it, if it has the word unsubscribe and it, it goes into a different folder. Yep, that's and I go, smart. oh, that's why you don't get my weekly emails. Yeah, I've tried unenroll me. I've tried a few other yep. things, but and that, they uh, work, but it's not going to solve this problem of your deal emails that are nesting where you have twenty five or thirty of them. And I'm afraid um, to set up rules because then what if I do? I do scan the first two lines before I decide yeah. to open it or not. And I think but you do know that these deals close. Yeah, <laughs> and when they I, close, you just have your assistant go in and mark them all as red, right? Yeah, yeah. That would drop should, you from actually. 17, I should do that. I don't from have seventeen thousand to like <laughs> probably seventeen hundred. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's a big weakness. <laughs> so that's the challenge. But um, and then let's talk about COVID with real estate because I'm sure you had no idea what was coming, right? Mm. There were a lot of new rules around COVID and a lot of doc signings and some stuff did slow down but in the real estate world it took off like crazy wildfire after about six months right i mean it, yeah so we definitely shut down for the at the very beginning like everybody else did housing was considered essential after a short period of time so we were allowed to open back up and, and work um i think what happened is People were spending so much time at home, they realized they didn't like their house that much. And, or maybe it didn't have the space they now needed with an office from home, or it didn't have exterior space that they could just like get outside safely. And I think that that made um, people want to make changes to their living situation, or maybe they didn't live need to live so close to work because they were going to be for a long period of time working from home. Mm -hmm. Um, and so all those things kind of made a perfect storm of real estate happen. And we probably had our best year this past, like over this rolling 12 months has been our best year ever. So. Wow, that's great. And so here's what I know about real estate is if you didn't have the listing side of the business, you didn't have the client to list, there were many times where you weren't making money because you couldn't get your offer accepted right? because it had to be a cash offer or had to be way over ask, or you had to move super, super fast. How do you deal with that? I think that it's all about setting expectations for people and our agents and I talked a lot about um, if you're going to be helping buyers, you need to set this expectation that things are wild, they are moving quick, they are going for way over asking. Um, and we don't want people to be a part of that frenzy if they don't need to be. So it, while it, you know, it kind of stinks to not get your offers accepted and not be making money, I also don't want people to be buying something so I can make money. And so um, we had a lot of like ethical and moral discussions here in the office about like just because a house is going to sell $100,000 over asking doesn't mean your client should buy that house for $100,000 over asking. Mm -hmm. You know, 
let's help them make solid, sound decisions that are going to be important in years to come if the market doesn't continue this like ridiculous incline that we the ascension that we've seen. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's the struggle, right, is balancing, you know, you know, money with ethics. I mean, obviously, we all want to believe that we're leading with ethics for sure. Um, but in that market, people get really emotional and they get emotionally attached to buying these houses. And in some cases are super willing to overpay when they probably shouldn't be. And so those right. are difficult conversations to have with, uh, you know, with the business, you know, um, you know, I think too, that, that, that kind of crosses the bridge. You know, when you're talking with your clients about what they should do, obviously it's, it's within their control, right? Right. You were talking just a few minutes ago about your email box and, and, and having to give that up and how that's personal. How do you delegate and or give up control as a business owner yourself? Is that something you're good at? Is it something you feel like you could be better at? <laughs> I am not very good at this. So um, my previous experience in the technology divisions of a financial company. One of my roles was actually being a financial a technical editor on some okay. of their documentation. And so I always joke that my ability to spot like a misplaced space or a period in the wrong position, I can see it from a mile away and it just really bugs me really bad. And I like things to be perfect and um, in order. And so for me, giving up any kind of creative delegation is really, really hard. Um, it's something I'm always working on. Uh, right now, I do not create a lot of the content that goes out, but I still oversee probably 90% of it. And it's so that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, that's just kind of come about more recently. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know, with weaknesses, with any weakness, it's just kind of all about micro adjustments and baby steps towards the ultimate goal. So I'm okay with it right now. I'd like yeah. to maybe oversee less that's going out, but I, I know to, I know it's a weakness. I know it's something I'm working on. Um, and I know I, it's- I love what you said there about micro adjustments though, because it's an ongoing process, right? And that's one thing is, is, is like, as we as we outsource more, as we bring on more people, as we grow a business, the systems and process are always being tweaked a little bit here and there. And that includes this process you're talking about. Talk a little bit about this idea of um, the stuff that goes out. You're not doing it per se. You're just reviewing it. What was the process involved in getting someone else to do that? Um, so a lot of training on, you know, what kind of graphics we want out there, what the message is going to be. Um, we do have some template stuff that is kind of easy to fill in. Mm -hmm. But then on top of the graphic is obviously kind of the verbiage that's going to go out to introduce the graphic or, you know, for example, just sold this fantastic condo in Roslindale just sold at this price and congratulations to our sellers and those kind of things. And even something as specific as where you place like some of the little images in that text um it, it's just been a learning process of back and forth like oh i think this would be better here or not better you know let's take this piece out and um i think as we work together me and my assistant she's finding out like how i like things and 
you know, what I want in there. And because nobody's going to do it the same way as you. And I think Never. we talked about this before, like if they can do it 85% as well as you can 85% of the time, you need to be moving that task on. And so um, I'm working on it. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's all we can do, right, Danielle? That's all we can do is uh, uh, 85%, 85% of the time is, is a great rule. As I like to say, done is better than perfect. Right. And, and ultimately no one will ever do it as good as you will until you release it. And then they might actually do it better. You know, one thing most people don't realize is that business owners are often holding up a business in a way that they don't realize. When I started stepping out of my web design agency years ago, turned out we made a lot more money on the days I wasn't there. Jeez, shocker. Cause I'm micromanaging. Right. And so if we just let, the thing is to, to do the best you can to teach people um, how to think like you think, and then you're going to be on the same page and you're right. going to have less messes to clean up and more problems. And also know going in, knowing that the expectations are that, that people aren't going to do it as perfectly or, or the vision that you saw, but maybe they'll do it a different way and maybe it will result in better, right. more clients, more listings in your case. So I think that's good. One of the things I always like to talk to people about on this podcast and, and really get an understanding is software, right? Software for a business that's game changing. Now, I know in the real estate world, you use specific software in your world, but not related to real estate. What game changing tools or software for business owners would you recommend people look at? You know, I'm <laughs> this is perfect timing. Um, I was always trained on an Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> which is terrible. Right. So I actually taught some of my agents that way as well. And, you know, sorting this Excel spreadsheet by, you know, when you need to contact someone, when's the last time you contacted them, what kind of lead source did they come from? You know, so you're knowing where your business is coming from, what stage are they at? Things like that. Terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> right. But it, it's the way I learned and I'm very technical and it just is easy for me to see everything in one place. Well, I finally realized it's time to, to move along to real technology. And so we did purchase a CRM system Yay. for the office to use. And, you know, it's, it's been really game changing. Which for one me. did you buy? So we got follow up boss, okay. Good. which is pretty real estate specific, but I actually think you could use it even outside of real estate. But if sure. not, I think, you know, the CRM is, is really the single most important thing that anyone should have that's in any kind of people or relationship. Amen. Business. Yeah. Amen. So we'll put a link in the comments so people can check it out. Follow up. Box. I, I'm embarrassed that we're just implementing no, this, there's you so know? many people that don't have it in, in, in my business of coaching people on referrals and growing a business um, more than half more people do not have one than actually have one. And you'd be surprised more people actually aren't tracking contacts in any way at all, not even in Excel. Mm -hmm. Like that's a very common issue. So it, it's a game changer. And so you heard it right here, folks, CRM, get yourself a CRM. We'll put a link to follow up boss and the notes. But um, the, I always like to say that when people ask me, what's the best CRM to use? I say the one that you actually use. So true. Yeah. And we tried so many that we just weren't using and yeah. it really has to be an intuitive system that's going to do some things automated for you. Um, it also well. it also just needs to be a, a choice, a decision, right. and a conscious decision and effort made to actually work in the system. Right. And 
because because if we're not using it, we're not using it. Um, next question. Yeah. Because this is a small business podcast, uh, what small business book would you recommend that other people get their hands on Ooh. and read? Um, five Hour Work Week. It's a five hour. Oh yeah. yeah, I loved that book. I read it a long time ago, but it it taught me the importance of outsourcing certain things. Um, that was one of my favorites, and Grit. Um, is another one by Angela Duckworth. Yeah. Yes, I read I read Angela Duckworth's. Um, in fact, a Facebook friend of mine is actually uh, referenced in the book. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, and that was uh, a great book. Yeah, actually, she she mentioned uh, Kayvon in in the book, and he went to the same boarding school that I went to in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So, oh, nice. Um, it, that that book is a very good book. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the Freakonomics series too. I like to listen to those. Freakonomics. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It, it's been, it's been great talking to you, Danielle. I mean, you got so many Thank great you. takeaways and these are not, I, I, I want to make sure people uh, understand that these are not just real estate related, right? This is business right. growth. It's staff management. It's time management. It's process management. It's email management. It's, it's growth in business through software like CRMs and books like grit and, and five hour work week or four hour work week, whatever it's called. And, and, and um, <laughs> I'm already cutting hours off of it. I have no idea how many hours of a work week. <laughs> I it think is. it's four, but okay. For me, well, it's five still. <laughs> well, definitely get the three-hour work week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you get it. My point, folks, is that as you're listening to this, as you're watching this on YouTube, that this is not just about real estate. It's about adaptation. It's about and consistent growth. It's about consistent modification. It's about moving the needle on a regular basis. And that's what Danielle's been doing since 2014, and she's crushing it. Uh, so I love that. Now, Danielle, if these people want to reach out to you, if they want um, somebody uh, who's a, a veteran to contact you about buying a home, or even if they just want to network with you and invite you to their networking group or whatever it is, how do they get in touch with you? Well, I will just give them my direct cell phone number, which is 508-989-1989. They can reach me directly and they can, if they tell me that they saw me on your Mass Business Podcast, I'd love to know where they, where they got the info. There you go. That's it. So we'll put all that contact information in the show notes and uh, uh, make sure that you uh, folks out there listen on your podcast app. You subscribe to the podcast on the app that is your favorite app that you listen to. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you just smash the subscribe button and hit that notification bell so that you get notified whenever we put up a new episode of the Mass Business Podcast. Listen, I want to give a great shout out to my good friend Kelta Kelly, who wrote the custom song High Five the World. We're also going to put a link in the show notes for that on Spotify. You can get that on any music app that you want. It's a custom written song. He's a financial advisor and a Berkeley trained musician who opened for Darius Rucker twice at Foxborough. And so a good friend of mine uh, wrote that song. If you love that little ditty that we play at the beginning of the show and at the bottom of the show, that is Kelty Kelly. We're going to make sure we mention him in the show notes. As always, I love to say it. Don't forget to live happy. Smile a lot and high five everyone around you. <laughs> I'm waking up this morning, gonna grab myself a smile. 
Thank you for listening to the Mass Business Podcast, where we focus on growing a small business and understanding networking and referrals. Don't forget to like on your favorite platform and share out this podcast. This show has been produced by Heather Grant, music by Celtic Kelly, all rights reserved. I'm your host, professional speaker, author, and word-of-mouth referral consultant, Matt Ward. And high five, everyone around you. Feeling all right. High five the world. Telling you